Hello, hello on a Sunday. Oh yeah, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here with an emergency edition of, I was going to say the Leafs this week. It is the Leafs right, right now because they're making trades, they're making moves. The NHL trade deadline is tomorrow, but Kyle Dubas and co. don't want to wait. Of course, the big move that's happened, Mark Giordano. He's coming to Toronto. He's coming home. How many times have we done this in the past couple of years? He's coming home. We're still waiting to see what exactly the return is. There is a belief another Kraken player could be a part of it as well. But Gordo, we always love a little exciting news on the weekend. How you doing on this Sunday? Well, I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, Colin Blackwell's the other Seattle Kraken player they're talking about. And 5 p.m., which is right now, is when it's uh, it's the cap bewitching minute hour. <laughs> and uh, that could factor into play about getting formal notice what exactly Leafs are giving up. So I'm doing well. You know, it's funny. You and I, when we did the Leafs-Seattle Kraken game, whatever it was, 10 days ago with fans back in the building, and we just talked about post-game when the friends and family wait for the visiting team which is quite common, especially from the other conference. It's you know pretty exciting because it's only one visit. I don't think I've ever seen more people wait for a player than Mark Giordano. Remember how many Seattle Kraken oh, Giordano tons. jerseys they were? So, I mean, he, he was, it was like a royal visit when he came out of the dressing room afterwards. And uh, you, you, re- you really got a sense about the popularity of the family and the friends he has here in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's going to be a uh, pretty, pretty popular uh, player already just based on on that alone. And, you know, we, we can now move to talking about the fit of it. I think he's going to be a pretty popular player with where he kind of slots in on this blue line. You know, I, I guess we'll wait and see if that's the last move or if there are more to come. But it feels to me like it's pretty easy. Uh, this guy won the Norris Trophy in 2019. No, it wasn't 2015. It wasn't 10 years ago. It was just three seasons ago. I think you put him right back with the partner he played with there uh, in TJ Brody. Of course, they were such a formidable pair in, in Calgary. That that seems like the most obvious move to me. Are, are you in agreement there? Or would you would you pair him up with somebody else? No, no. I th- I think that's where you're looking at. I don't. You know, they had so much success. Now, now Calgary has had success without him, and I'm not saying that as a shot. You know, it was a, a, a unpopular move in some ways for him to move on. But I uh, I I agree with you. I think. All along, where the Leafs need to focus on was depth on D. Ilya Labushkin, save for last night, has been as advertised. You know, meat and potatoes, uh, nothing fancy, but a pretty steady D. This, this um, again, 38 years of age is. There's always a little bit of a risk that about age-wise, but you know, Giordano, uh, Giordano, uh, uh, a more prominent kind of acquisition. So this gives all kinds of flexibility to Sheldon Keefe in, in what he does with the decor. But I agree. That's who I would pair with him. I agree with you on that. Yeah, and I think the fact that, and again, last night wasn't wasn't a banner night for that pair by any means, but I think the fact that Morgan Riley looks relatively comfortable next to Ilya Labushkin, and Labushkin hasn't looked out of place there, and then, you know, I think, obviously, Jake Muzzin, his health is is dependent on some of this, but until he's back in the lineup, I think if, you're, if your third pair D is Rasmus Sandin and Justin Hall, I think I think you'd be pretty happy about that, especially when you were looking at Hall as a core part of your, your top four last year. And that also dovetails the one trade the Leafs have confirmed is Travis Dermott That's right. to the Vancouver Canucks. They get a third-round pick. It's the Winnipeg Jets' third-round pick, which should be a little bit better. I don't know. They'll be mm-hmm. about the same, I guess. So, yeah, so that just, you know, the end of that era about another young player developing. And that's why you're hoping Rasmus Sandin, to your point, and Timothy Lilligren, both first-round picks. You know, you got to develop some players. And uh, Stuart Percy was a first-round pick that didn't work out. 
Travis Dermott now a second-round pick that's gone elsewhere. Sean Dursey playing really well in L.A. He was a second-round pick. Now he was traded for an asset in Jake Muzzin. But, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you want some of these guys to work out along with the free or along with the trade and free agent uh, or pending free agent acquisitions that you made, Brent. Yeah, that's that's exactly it there. And, you know, Dermot, I think obviously, look, you want to hit on your second round picks. You want your second round picks to be guys who are part of your lineup. And it's not a question mark of where they fit in. You want them to be, you know, kind of key or at least middle pieces of your team there. And it didn't work for Dermot. I think the fact that you take a guy who was a second rounder, he played 250 some odd games for you in the NHL and you're able to still recoup a bit of an asset there in a third round pick I think that's as good a job as you can do on, under those circumstances you know you kind of mentioned why this is the cap witching hour I don't really understand it but I am going to explain it right now so the cap is calculated daily at 5 p.m. and this is from the website cap friendly they, they do great stuff so between 5 p.m. today and 5 p.m. tomorrow the Leafs can temporarily exceed the cap. So that's what allows them to uh, have to wait until, uh, I guess, right now, if they uh, want to make that move official anytime. Of course, the other the other kind of pieces of it in terms of, of cap, uh, Kyle Clifford and Peter Morazic, they go on waivers. Uh, Clifford, uh, you know, he's been on waivers before with this team. Uh, I don't think this is about the penalty last night. This is about the cap. Uh, with Peter Morazic, though, uh, I think that definitely uh, caused some eyeballs or, or eyebrows to arch when, when people saw Morazic on waivers. Yeah, yeah, and also, like, it's uh, not just the trade deadline, but it's kind of the clear day list as well that after that you can't just send players down to the American Hockey League. So in the case of Kyle Clifford, there might be others as well that they they put them down now, so there's a flexibility of moving them back up and down, and they're still eligible to play in the American Hockey League playoffs. Peter Morazic, we said last night, we had the Leaf game against Nashville. When he did not start that game on the road, uh, Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas were of the mind where Sheldon Keefe, you could tell, has been. They're done with him. They're done with him. He's gone. He's not with the Toronto Maple. He's not going to be with the Toronto Maple Leafs anymore. And if you're thinking Mark Andre Fleury, um, look lower, look lower, look lower. And no offense, but Harry Sateri to the rescue. <laughs> and uh, first of all, Harry Sateri still has to clear waivers, so I don't know if he might get claimed by some team like Edmonton. Uh, but he is a goaltender from Finland, a little bit of NHL experience. But I think basically what they're saying is uh, we're going to go with uh, Jack Campbell, who is skating, uh, Eric Schalgren, uh, who we like so far. And uh, then you've got Michael, you've got Joe Wall. Uh, well, I don't even know where he fits as far as NHL readiness, but Harry Sateri just to add some depth. So that is the extent of the goaltending. There will not be uh, the Varlamov or the Marc-Andre Fleury coming to Toronto. Now, if you would have told me, that, or if I would have told you that the fans would be chanting Shaw Grin, Shaw Grin, you would have been saying, okay, hold on. Can you hear it? Harry. Harry, what a name this guy has. Harry Sateri. I, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how much he ends up factoring in. You mentioned the waiver oh, I hope thing. None. If he, sorry, nothing. <laughs> uh, with all offense, I don't think the Sateri family is listening right now. I don't think with, so. With, with, with all offense, yeah. He is 32 years old, like you know, Finland, playing over in the, it was just played, uh, playing in the KHL this year and whatever. So he, he, is, he is a depth, depth guy. 
Depth, depth, depth. Uh, somebody who's not depth. Uh, well, I mean, everybody's depth, uh, but this guy is definitely at the uh, the top of the pecking order when it comes to insiders. Elliot Friedman. We do have the the details on the tr- of the trade now. So it is uh, Mark Giordano coming to the Leafs along with Blackwell, uh, and then it is two second rounders uh, are the highest picks in return to Seattle. So I guess we're still waiting on uh, exactly what it is, but it looks like at least two second rounders uh, going to the Kraken for Giordano and, and Blackwell there. I think once people, you know, there were some reports out there that it was going to maybe be multiple picks. I think once the multiple picks were in play, you don't give up your first. You, it seems like you're not giving up any of your, your top prospects. So now that we have a little more certainty uh, on the return, if it is a couple of second rounders and potentially more, uh, what do you make of that deal now that we have some semblance of a return, Gord? Well, and, and you know, it's kind of like the Toronto Blue Jays. When, when you're in this mode, and it's, it's okay to be in this mode, but you got to make some hate because you gave up a, a second rounder pick for Labushkin too, and you know so so you got to start making some playoff hay because you are you are running out of draft picks rather quickly. But that is the currency it took to get. I never really thought Giordano would cost you a first round pick. It just seems to me there's a lot of D that are out there that there's other options way to go where to go, and it's not like he was going to be an RFA or anything. Seattle, they're not going anywhere, so you know they were going to have to figure out what what's the best deal. They they couldn't um, they couldn't like Chuck, Chuck Fletcher was able to play poker with the Florida Panthers that if Florida was not going to ante up, they would just keep Claude Giroux in Philadelphia. I mean they were getting better offers from Colorado and other places, but Giroux wanted to go to wanted to go to Florida, so they made that deal. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it. We'll wait to hear the other deals. It's interesting. They had a guy like Blackwell. Uh, that's, that's to get some forward depth. I mean, I mm-hmm. mean, that was another area they were looking at third, fourth line, uh, the makeups of those different lines and, you know, who you want to put together and, you know, they'll have a uh, 20 plus games now to figure that out down the stretch, but also it gives you just a number of different variables and despite as brutal, brutal. Brain, brain cramp penalty last night. Kyle Clifford gives you some physicality. Nick Roberts still has to use another player, for example, still has to show that he can play more consistently at the NHL level, but he's another type. And you, you mentioned like Pierre Engvall. Can he be the Gary Volk of 20 years ago? You know, play that kind of useful playoff role from a, uh, um, a, a marginal type player who had a big playoff. Yeah, and I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not saying that that's gonna that 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 they, you're gonna look at that guy for that. But I think when you have a guy like Colin Blackwell coming in, it just kind of gives you more of those options. So often in the bottom six, and the Leafs are actually a little different in that regard this year. In that that third line is more or less set. I know, I know, Cash's injury really sets it because now you know who's going to be on the wings there. It's going to be Mikheyev and, and it's going to be Engvall. But it just feels like that fourth line. It's been just kind of a mishmash of styles of pieces, and it just hasn't really. Kind Kind of clicked, and this is a, a a player who you know a, a little more defensive acumen uh, than than guys like guys like Robertson who are out there kind of hunting for points. So it'll be it just gives you another kind of body to to throw in the mix. I I will admit once the cash injury happened last night, and I see that the Leafs and Kraken are talking, and okay maybe there's another player involved. I did wonder if they were going to go a little further up the lineup there, but I think this is the right move. You know I I, I don't know that a a Jordan Everly, and we don't even need to involve the the cap machination of that would make any sense but it's just it feels to me like this move makes a little more sense finding a guy who can slot in if if you can use him but really the the meat of the trade was a d because i know some people especially with the way that second line is looked were wondering if you needed to go get the impact winger but i think giordano is going to help more than you know somebody some forward would have well and and this is where whether it's Kyle dubas herself or, or just certain pro scouts that you 
you trust their judgment saying, okay, Colin Blackwell can be somebody of value. I don't think it, you know, I don't think it factors in the cachet injury. I think it's more that they feel there's something. And, and that's what, you know, Calgary did for a guy like Yarncroke, for example, just a, a, a player of that ilk that they felt could get more depth to their, to their forwards up front. So uh, Kasha, and Muzzin, we don't know about. Kasha is really recent, getting hurt last night, but both have had concussion issues and obviously big holes if they're out of it for the playoffs. But, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Ekblad got hurt. Now they're saying he's week to week in Florida, but they added another defenseman, a Robert Hag. They made a trade with Buffalo. So I wonder if that's just to get that depth. And, of course, Jack Eichel, Vegas won last night, but they're in a playoff battle, and you got to hope he's going to be healthy as well. But uh, that's what every team faces in the Leafs' case. Um, they'll have, they certainly have a better handle, more so on Muzzin, what, what his, his prognosis is, and uh, I would think today a little bit more on Cashin. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's how I uh, look at things as well there. And just to kind of tie a bow on it uh, from a contract perspective, uh, Colin Blackwell, he's strictly a rental, uh, 725K this year, and then he's a UFA uh, next season. Of course, uh, when you look at Mark Giordano, makes a little bit more money, but he's also a, a UFA. Uh, so these are uh, moves for this year. And, hey, you know, uh, especially maybe with Giordano, maybe there's a future beyond this season. But uh, they, these are moves for now because you mentioned it. You look at the Atlantic and, you know, it, every team loads up or every team loads looks at loading up at this time of year. It feels like every guy of consequence who has got dealt has ended up in the Atlantic division. I mean, of course, Sherrod, he was kind of the first big D to move. Then you have Giroux going to, to the Panthers there. The Lightning, they make their kind of, you know, their, their Yanni Gord. They, they go back and get Yanni Gord uh, in the player they pick up there and Brandon Hagel from Chicago. So it's just, I, I it felt like with the way the division was going, you know, I, I could see kind of two sides of it saying, man, Look at the goalies, not our year. But I don't think you can do that. You can't say not our year when you have Austin Matthews, when you have Mitch Marner. So I, I like the fact that they give up uh, a couple of draft picks, uh, a couple of second rounders for, for Giordano. I, I understand the idea of looking at the division and saying, man, it's scary. But but so are you. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down with what can what's going wrong for this team. There are other teams in the Atlantic going, oh, man, the Leafs just got Mark Giordano, and that should really scare them. Yeah, I don't know about scare, but you know what I mean? Just certainly you, you look at it with uh, um, a respect. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't believe you don't, you don't just follow suit with what goes on in the division. But uh, you know, you're know going to have Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy in Boston for a while, too. You know what I mean? These are deals. That's, that's a deal. They signed Lindholm, and he's a deal for the future. Uh, Sherratt, more of a depth guy with a real strong Florida Panther team. We know what the Tampa Bay Lightning are all about. And, you know, we uh, you, you know just um, – Everyone is worried about the Atlantic division. It's a very intriguing division. They've been the most aggressive at trade deadline. And I keep going back the last two years. It was set up in the playoffs for the Maple Leafs, what looked like a lesser talented opponent than, say, the Boston Bruins that the Leafs always drew year after year. And they didn't make hay. So to the, this year, you're not going to you're not going to get as good a first round draw. So maybe that'll change their fortunes. You know, if you're going to have some playoff success, you got to go out and beat some good teams. Otherwise, I'm telling you, Brent, you know, one more playoff and they're the Ottawa Senators, uh, mm -hmm. like what, 15 or 20 years later. I mean, that's what's unfortunately happened to the Ottawa Senators too long, having a, a, a really good slash excellent regular season hockey team that, that uh, uh, couldn't do it year after year after year in the playoffs. Oh, look at this. We're going to reverse roles. You're going with something more contemporary. I'm going to throw it back to the 80s. You would know better than me. Who was the team? I feel like I've always heard these stories, be it, uh, Cal be it be the Jets team who was just always in the division with the Oilers. And, well, yeah, you're a great team, and you had a great season. 
You're not better than Wayne Gretzky. And I know plenty of people have been sitting here going, are the, are, are you going to be saying that about the Austin Matthews Leafs? Because you, and I'm not using this as an excuse. You go out and beat them, but it's just, you're sitting there and you're going, I can see a world where Tampa's already won back to back. Could you see them getting three in five years or something like that? And you're saying, yeah, the Leafs just ran up against a buzzsaw in their division. And sometimes you could have a really good team, but there's, there's just that one that that's better than that. I mean, that's, that's where my mind keeps going to when I think of these, these, well, new again, divisional playoffs. Well, you know, but, on you know, Winnipeg kept having to face Edmonton and Calgary and arguably the two two best teams in the NHL for a number of years in the 80s. And Winnipeg, you could have made an argument, was the third, but you had to play your way out of the, what was then the Smythe division. In this case, it's it's it, it's not a bad argument. They had their chances. Except, except the last two years. Yeah, the last two years, we didn't want COVID, but uh, <laughs> COVID adjustments made for uh, a unique playoff scenario and the Leafs didn't capitalize on it. And, and you know, where, again, and, and we're talking trade deadline, you know, um, about trying to stick to the present. But the Florida Panthers, like while the Leafs have been not spinning their wheels, uh, the Florida Panthers, all of a sudden they're doing what the Leafs were doing three years ago. And maybe they're doing it better. They certainly seem to be doing it quicker. Maybe they're doing it more complete. I, I use the analogy that uh, the Leafs have built what we expected. They have, you know, with some whether it started with the Austin Matthews draft or the Mitch Marner draft and. You know, they've, they've built that best house in the Atlantic Division as advertised, but the basement's flooded, the toilet's <laughs> plugged, and the roof's leaking. So, you know, that's what's happened along the way. Like, the goaltending slipped. You know, just all these kind of things have happened as you try to get that complete, complete package of that great team that the Tampa Bay Lightning have for now. And you wonder, are the Leafs still the second team there? Are they closer to Tampa Bay? Has Florida passed them? Do the Boston Bruins have one more kick at it with – so many veterans and some good youth. It's pretty intriguing. It's it's pretty tough. It's a tough division. Yeah, it, it really is. It's the you know it's the best division in hockey going right now. And hey, other teams have had to deal with that exact scenario. So I don't want to you know I don't want to get my violin out and play for the Leafs. But it's definitely I you know I think it's important to kind of mention it. Uh, you know, just uh, you you mentioned Florida there. Let's just kind of stick with the comparison, looking at the two teams and looking at their two big defense moves. So Ben Chirac goes with a prospect and a fourth round pick and a first to Montreal, and the Leafs give up a couple of seconds and a third for Giordano and along with uh, Colin Blackwell, it looks like he'll play on the fourth line. Which team do you think kind of made out better there? I mean, I guess it's kind of quibbling a first versus a couple of seconds, but I, I think to me, I think just looking at the return there, I, I think the fact that they didn't have to include a prospect, we don't think as well. I, I think I have to think the Leafs turned out or fared a little better in that trade for Giordano than the Panthers did for Schrott. But I, I guess it's also fair to say, well, let's see which guy plays better after the trade. Yeah, but I, I'd agree with you. My first blush, I really like Giordano. Um, the intangible of playing at home, uh, I like. Is he's only a few years away from a Norris Trophy, and we we saw last year that you know sentiment, and it wasn't a trade de- deadline deal, but you got stuck with Joe Thornton, and who doesn't like Joe Thornton? And Joe Thornton loved playing close to home. He suited having fans in the building, which which didn't happen. But you got kind of stuck that you had a out of respect, find a little bit more ice time and some power play time for him than you thought. And and again, in Nick Foligno's case, we didn't have a chance really to scout him so much if you because we were watching one division exclusively. And he, and he wasn't the Nick Foligno of, you know, two, three, four years. You see it this year with the Boston Bruins. I mean, he's not that guy from a number of years ago. There are very hard minutes that he's played. But, you know, the, the defenseman, 
Zidane Ochero can carry on till he's whatever age. Math, you, you, you uh, Chris. <laughs> that's because they let. That's because they let him do the Austin Matthews cross check about fifteen times a game. But that, well, that's Chris, why he can keep playing. Chris Chelios as well. You know, went on till whatever age he was. That that there is there is a way because it's not so much the speed up front. You know that you can you can get away with smarts more being being a veteran. And Giordano is not ancient by any imagination. But I, I like it. I like it. And it's really what they needed. It's really what the Maple Leafs needed. So uh, getting a, a little more clarity on this, and I know David Amber's on the line, but I'll give him the details of the trade, courtesy of Frank Cirovelli confirming the Leafs are sending two second-round picks and a third-round pick to Seattle Kraken in exchange for Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell. The Kraken will retain 50% of Giordano's salary, and his preference was to come home and play for Toronto. Uh, Kevin Weeks first with that. Frank Cirovelli with all the details there. Elliot Friedman had them as well. And now joining us, guy you'll see plenty of tomorrow. You always see a plenty of them on Hockey Day Canada. David Amber, how's it going, Amber? Doing really well, guys. Brian Gordo, good to be here. And yeah, I, I was hoping some of this would be safe for tomorrow. We're going to be twiddling our thumbs uh, for seven hours potentially, but uh, there's a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Well, that's the thing. We're gonna we're gonna basically use this as a pre-show meeting for tomorrow. We'll get all the bad takes <laughs> out of the way. We'll save the good ones. You can, Gordon and I are we're not we're not selfish. You could steal from us, take it all in the air. It's all uh, right. all, all yours. So you know, I uh, when you look at a deal like this, you know, we've we've seen the homecoming in Toronto so many times, and of course, it's always been a happy story of John Tavares and Joe Thornton. And but we're still waiting for that first playoff win, that first playoff round win with all these guys here. I feel like Giordano ha- has to help with that it feels like he slots right into the top four and I I like the fact that Dubas wasn't kind of scared off by the activity in the rest of the Atlantic division by everybody else loading up yeah it's interesting first of all kudos to both Juan Francis and Kyle Dubas because we heard you know Ryan Leslie did a great job and broke the hey Giordano's going to Toronto I mean how many hours passed before we found out what the return was I was sitting there updating Twitter every two minutes I'm like what is going on here usually that stuff leaks out pretty quickly so they obviously kept it nicely under wraps, so kudos to them. Um, li- listen, we have been, been down this road before, and one thing I'll say is I'm sure Kyle Dubas took note and Brandon Shanahan and the lease management took note that there's been this bit of an arms race in the Atlantic Division, Florida, Tampa, Boston, all grabbing some big names. But I'll say the price paid for the other teams in the Atlantic I think was higher than what the Leafs paid. Uh, for Giordano, who's you know a Norris winner, a guy who will play his heart out. He's great in the dressing room, and he'll slot in nicely. You could play him with Brody, and you could when Muzzin returns, play Muzzin with with Riley. I mean, you have a pretty formidable top four on D uh, if all those chips fall into place. So I, I think Kyle Dubas did well on the surface. Colin Blackwell, by the way, he's a smaller guy, but he plays way above his weight. He is feisty. Uh, he's fearless, and you're going to need some of that, obviously, come playoff time. So I think it was a good addition all around. And, um, you know, I heard you guys talking. I only got on about a minute before. I heard you guys talking about Felino and, and some of the things that didn't work last year. And I'm sure the Maple Leafs brass were a little gun-shy to, to go over the top because last year they brought in five guys around the trade deadline, you know, the David Riddicks, the Felinos, the Riley Nash, et cetera. None of them stuck with the team. None of them helped get through the first round, and they gave up six draft picks you know, to, to do it. I mean, they barely need to go to Montreal for this year's draft. So um, <laughs> I think it was a pretty reasonable price to pay for what could have an incredible upside for Toronto. Um, and we talk about it as expected. So Seattle's going to keep half Giordano's salary. Doesn't, don't mm-hmm. the Vegas casinos keep half of your colleague Elliot Friedman's salary too? Isn't that the way it works? 
talk about just uh, uh, Colin Blackwell because like, Riley Nash last year as well you, you people forget about that and those kind of trades are made that you, you got to win one round you know what I mean like that that's mm-hmm. to add some depth and what St. Louis did a few years ago when they won the cup and kind of put 50 mesh 15 different forwards in 12 spots but if you don't if you don't get out of the first round you never really get that depth value really doesn't come into play yeah you're, you're absolutely right it has to. There has to be some. You know, there, there has to be an advancement here, right? I mean, there's a lot on the on the line in the sense that, you know, showing up and, and losing respectably in the first round isn't going to cut it. And I think again, there's some there's some risk involved here, guys. But at, at the same time, I think you've added some grit. You've added an element you needed. You've added some stability on the blue line, and those things are all important. Yeah, that, that that's exactly where I'm at as well. I really like that they didn't give up the the first round pick. You know, the the guy who they take with that pick in in June, presuming they they still hold on to it, is you know not going to help this team any anytime soon. In in terms of what they do on the other side of things, they they also moved Travis Dermott to Vancouver. You know, this is a guy who it just never felt like he could really kind of catch hold here. You know, he got in the lineup plenty, he played over 250 games, and he's not that old. He's only 25, and he's already got. To that number, I I feel like Dubis has kind of a track record of this, a history of saying, okay, it's not worked out here. We're gonna find you a comfortable-ish landing place and still get a decent return. I feel like moves like that have to kind of garner him goodwill in terms of players, in terms of agent, and then hey, a third-round pick in return is uh, nothing to sneeze at either. You know what I liken it to? I think Travis Dermott is is an NHL player, and I think he needs the right fit. And quite frankly, on a team with Riley, Sandine, Lilgren. Guys who aren't the, the biggest, most physical players, but who play a more of an up-tempo style, how many of those guys can you have? And it's funny, they bring in a more slower, more plodding, defensive, lockdown defender in Giordano, and they ship Dermot out. doesn't mean Dermot isn't an NHL player. doesn't mean he doesn't have value. But he needs to be in an environment where he could play to his skill set. And I just think there was a redundancy here in Toronto with how he plays that didn't help him. You know, it just... He, they, they look at Sandine as a better prospect, essentially, moving forward with a higher ceiling than they see Travis Dermott. And they do a lot of the similar things. And, yes, Dermott's confidence, I think, did slip at times. And you saw him have some really rough patches there. And maybe being out of this market specifically could help him. Now, granted, you know, <laughs> Vancouver is not an easy market. Oh, to so play easy over there, yeah. <laughs> no, those fans, you know, the fans there are as cynical as anywhere. Um, but maybe just needed sort of a change of scenery. And we've seen that happen before where, you know, one man's garbage is another man's jewels. And, and, that, and that's sort of how this might work out. Because I, I do think Travis Thurman is a legitimate NHL player. I just think, you know, in this environment, 
with this group uh, on the blue line where, again, there was some redundancy. It just didn't work out for him. So, you know, you're looking at the total last couple of weeks. you got Labushkin, Giordano, Blackwell uh, for Richie, Dermott, two second-round picks. I, I, I can't quibble with that on paper. Um, mm-hmm. what, what can be a bit of a concern quietly today, Peter Morazic put on waivers. Uh, the legendary Harry Sateri signed to a contract. Uh, he still has to clear waivers, but uh, they're done. They're done with Peter Morazic. So you're going into the playoffs. Um, not as good as the last few years where everybody loved Freddie Anderson and last year was Jack Campbell. Now, granted, they never made a difference in a playoff round either. So you're hoping Jack Campbell get, gets healthy. Uh, Eric Schulgren, you're satisfied enough with. And then you have some depth goaltenders, and they're not going to trade for a goaltender. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, the goaltending is up to snuff because that will remain a concern. And, and Gord, that's the big question mark. And, and it's funny because, you know, I'm not sure if they're banking on Campbell and Shalgren or if they're just done with Morazic or maybe a combination of the two. You know, I've said to people, and this has been every radio show, you know, any of us have either hosted or, or been a guest on in the last you know, six weeks when they start talking about the Maple Leafs, it's all about what about the goaltending. And I don't, I've said this every time. They don't need Jack Campbell to be Vesna Jack Campbell, all-star Jack Campbell, the guy we saw the first two and a half months. They just can't have him be what we've seen the last two and a half months. And if he could find his, you know, his career 9-11 or whatever it is, 9-13 save percentage, and be a guy they can count on, not to make every save, but certainly to make some saves when he needs to, I think they'll be okay because they have enough offense, and now they probably feel they have a, a pretty good, solid blue line in front of them and guys who are more defensive-minded. And you, you add, you know, Labushkin in, and that's that's true. That's another guy who plays a defensive, physical brand of hockey. So I think they now feel much more confident with the, these additions, guys, that maybe they don't need superstar goaltending, but they just can't have mediocre goaltending down the stretch. So if they can get that from Campbell and get it from Shalgren, this team might be okay. Yeah, you don't need you don't need all the saves, you, you, but you do need a couple, and that that's kind of what we found out over the last uh, little bit here. I will uh, I'll let you go after this one. Really simple. I would ask our next guest, Ryan Leslie, but you know he's I know what he's going to tell me. Who's the best team in Canada right now? There's one point separating the Leafs and Flames in the standings. I know Calgary's playing the best of those two teams right now, but if you look over the stretch of this year, when it's all said and done. Who's the best team in Canada for you, David Amber? And remember, you're on the radio in Toronto right now on the Leafs Nation podcast feed, just biasing you there. Yeah, there you go. You know what's so funny is with all the consternation and all the hand-wringing we've seen about the Leafs, they're on pace for 110 points. Uh, they're, they're seventh, they have the seventh-best winning percentage in the NHL. The way they're talked about on, on radio shows like this and, and everywhere else in the media, you'd think they're a bottom-tier you know, team, a bottom-third team. Having said that, you know, this is a – what have you done for me lately, League? And to answer your question, you know, the Calgary Flames are playing out of their minds right now, right? They're 18-3-2 in their last 23 games. 18-3-2. And, and I will say the Calgary Flames simply because, you know, the question Gore just brought up about goaltending, that's the most important position in hockey. Just ask the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you know, you look back at St. Louis, you look back at Pittsburgh when they won their back-to-back cups goaltending was the key to every championship essentially you're going to be able to name and you know when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs they have Jacob Markstrom who is having a Vesna caliber season and has proven himself year in year out and you know the Leafs don't so if I'm going to put those two teams up against one another 
as much as I like so many elements of the Maple Leafs team because of the goaltending, you know, the, the lack of uh, consistency and question marks surrounding now the, the Leafs goaltending, I certainly am going to say Calgary right now is the best team in Canada. Okay. All right. You, you made a good case. Like, I can't sit here and disagree with you. I just wish it was the other way around. Uh, David, thanks so much. And uh, get those tap dance and shoes ready because Gordon and I are going to be doing it from 12 to 3 on the radio. And some tells me uh, we're, we're going to have some time to fill tomorrow, especially with this big <laughs> Leafs trade today. Thank you so much. Guys, thanks for having me on. And give uh, Ryan a good uh, slap on the back. That was pretty cool that he broke this one today. This was a big one to know, and uh, he was first on it. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, uh, Sports this Ryan Leslie. We will do that, and we'll talk to him uh, in just a couple of minutes. There goes uh, David Amber. Uh, he'll be doing his best Fred Astaire impersonation if these trades keep coming because, man, we need something to talk about tomorrow. Save at least a couple of deals uh, out there for us. Uh, Gord, where are you at on that? Flames and, and Leafs, I, you know, I'd love, to, I'd love to disagree with David, but there's one team that has a goalie that you can trust right now, and there's one that doesn't, and I, I do think until that changes, you, you got to lead with the Flames. Uh, and by the way, making trades, our buddy Bill Armstrong, you got to think, come on, he said they're open. They're the 7-11. Yes. The Coyotes are. So maybe that's what he's waiting and they'll they'll gobble up all the airtime tomorrow with the moves they're going to make. Um, yeah, they the First of all, the best team doesn't always win the Stanley Cup. We always about when you relate the President's Trophy, for example, versus the Stanley Cup champion. So if you say Calgary Flames are the best team, it doesn't mean they go the furthest in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We all know that. I, I think I think the goaltending is huge though. The the goaltending now if Jack Campbell if Jack Campbell can be the Jack Campbell whenever whenever it was in December that sort of slid, slid but really from the moment he got traded here till then, then that really isn't that really isn't a point of difference. So that that's why I would give the Flames a slight edge right now. Yeah, you have to because you know the Flames, obviously, you look at the forwards up front. It's funny, you know, me being who I am, David's given that wonderful answer about Markstrom, and I'm going, yeah, they don't have an Austin Matthews, though. You see this guy? He's unbelievable. And that that's exactly it, though. It's just the Leafs have the they, – they have the better 1A, but they don't have anything between the pipes right now. And, you know, Shalgren's been a great story, but I think we kind of saw the uh, the lights flickering a, l- a little bit last night uh, in Nashville for him. You, you hope he can continue to give him good goaltending because, uh, again, I don't think we can mention this enough. Peter Mrazek placed on waivers. Now, obviously, uh, that's a lack of confidence in him. That's also a cap move. Uh, that that opened up about one and a half million uh, bucks for them on the cap. Obviously, that was pretty uh, detrimental uh, to make or, or important to uh, making the Mark Giordano trade. And if you missed it, Mark Giordano, Colin Blackwell coming to the Leafs from the Kraken, going back to Seattle, a pair of second round picks and a third round selection as well. The Leafs also picking up a third round pick in a trade today. Travis Dermott going to Vancouver. So the Leafs get the Jets third round pick there. Uh, And again, that's a guy who, uh, you know, a a good start to his career in the NHL, got his feet wet here, but was just never able to kind of uh, find uh, find the the kind of solid spot in the lineup for him. The better the team got, the the less certain his position seemed seemed to be back there. So uh, with a guy like Dermott, you wish him nothing for but the best. And hopefully he kind of catches on and has the run he wants to in Vancouver. Yeah, you know, you you think about Calgary going for it now. I mean, they're looking at lo- losing Johnny Goodrow this offseason. You know, maybe they can keep him, but it seems uh, uh, expected he's going to go somewhere as a UFA. A year later, uh, the thinking is Matthew Kachuk will go somewhere. He'll he'll re-up for, for one year this year and then uh, flex his muscles. So maybe there's 
even more of an urgency that they're in a worse situation than the Leafs are about when when Austin Matthews can potentially leave you. You know, you only have this window of opportunity. And that's why, you know, Giordano's a name talked about quite a bit. Colin Blackwell, I know people in New York really liked him. Like uh, less the Seattle experience, more the New York Ranger experience, because that that's more, you know, that more applies, more applicable to what the Leafs are. They're not an expansion team. You know, they're a team uh, in the playoffs. And he's a guy that can play on different lines, very, very versatile, very well liked. So, you know, that, that could be a little quiet jewel depth wise for them that they could certainly use. And in Ron Francis case, uh, the expansion draft, it was kind of found lacking. Who really could have made the moves? Vegas did. The gig was up. They weren't going to get burned the second time around a lot of veteran GMs. So he basically, after a, what looks like it'd be a disappointing, a relatively disappointing first year for the Kraken, he's just starting to gobble up assets and kind of going the way, going the way of what traditional expansion teams do. Vegas was trading their Cody Glasses and their Nick Suzuki's like whoever. I don't think even they've ever had a first-round pick. Right? <laughs> Vegas has come into the league always going gunning for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite an interesting start uh, to things there. A little more, as you would expect, in Seattle. Leafs, big, big trade today. Mark Giordano coming home, the man who broke it. Ryan Leslie, he'll join us next. Keep on listening to Leafs Nation on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Leafs Nation, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick here alongside me and joining us now. I don't know how much of a feather in his cap this is, honestly. A man who made Leafs Nation oh so happy just before 3 o'clock this afternoon. Our next guest, Ryan Leslie, of course, the man who broke the Mark Giordano trade. Mark Giordano coming home. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us today. How you doing? Guys, my pleasure. It's great to be with you. I'm happy uh, to uh, be talking about this guy who's going home. And I'm glad to hear you say that uh, that Leaf Nation is is happy about this news because they got a, a quality person, a heck of a leader, and, and just somebody who's going to bleed blue. Well, so it's it's funny, and I, I think everyone is in belief of that, that, you're yeah, a lot of people happy here. Although, when we just saw Giordano on the move and no return, a lot of people sweating, going, oh, man, is that first involved? Oh, man, is the top mm-hmm. prospect involved? And then the fact that you don't have any of those things involved, winner, winner, uh, you're, you're very happy there. You, you know the guy well. He covered him for a long time. Of course, you know, he had a long, long run in Calgary. You, you, you touched on it a little bit off the top there, but just what are the Leafs getting in Mark Giordano? Of course, as the hockey player, but in the person as well. Yeah, a consummate pro, an incredible teammate, leads uh, by example, fit as a fiddle, um, and, and maybe not always the the um, the most vocal. Um, and not to suggest he's quiet, he's not. He's just got a way about him that I think you know his teammates are drawn to him. And sometimes it, it's just he's just going to be a glue guy in that room. He's going to be a natural fit. Obviously, the familiarity with Brody playing together all those years, and, uh, you know, as far as the guy, I can't say enough about him and his family. Um, you know, they're Toronto folks, great people, um, really great people, and so I think it's going to be a real seamless transition for him. I think the, you know, the team is going to be a good fit for him. Uh, I think you're just going to see a guy who just lays it all out there. He's up in age, there's no doubt about it, um, but he also knows what this opportunity means. Um, he was ready I think mentally for this and I think physically he is going to step right in and and be a difference maker you know listen he's an older guy and pardon me but I still think there's a lot left in him and depending on you know how he's going to be used uh, I think this is this is going to be a good thing for uh, 
for anybody in blue and white. Yeah, and let me uh, add my props about that, getting the deal out and getting people um, pumped if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan. And, you know, it's funny, Ryan, I want to get the Toronto angle from you because Brent and I were doing the Leaf-Seattle Kraken game about 10 days ago. So kind of timely-wise, just like in Calgary, there's been so many games without fans. This happened to be a full house. Seattle won, so uh, the friends and relatives that meet in a certain area while we're doing our post-game show were pretty pumped. It's the only time they would have seen them all year. I've never mm-hmm. seen a bigger contingent uh, than we've seen for the for Giordano. He came out. It was like a royal visit. There were Seattle Kraken Giordano jerseys, and he paused for pictures and, you know, whatever. It just it really showed a lot about even though he had his greatness on the ice will always be with the Calgary Flames, but I, 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 I was actually taken aback about, about how big – the roots are here. So you mentioned that as well. I, I would think always in the back of his mind, this would be something that he probably would have thought of. Well, Gord, that's, that's awesome to hear you say that. You've probably seen a lot of those, uh, you know, gatherings over the years. And for, for you to be taken aback, that's pretty cool. I, I've, I've witnessed it firsthand. I've gotten to know the family pretty well in the past. And uh, I've, I've gone up there after games and, and seen some folks and I can speak to, you know, just how passionate they are about Mark and his, his immediate family and his game and always being there to support. I've been around uh, his dad on those dad's trips uh, that they go on with the team. And just, uh, there's just a lot of love there. I've been very fortunate to be around Mark when, you know, the Mark Messier award, uh, the, uh, the SB award, um, you know, the Norris, I've been around him for some really big milestones and, I can safely say from the outside looking in, you know, there is just a draw to the guy that, that is just very welcoming. It's an, it's extended through his family, through his teammates. Honestly, I've never heard a bad word about the guy from anybody who's ever played with him. There's a ton of respect coming back the other way from anybody who's ever played against him. He's appreciative of this opportunity. I know that. Um, and yeah, it, it just means so much to a really good Toronto family and, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying when you talk about that big group waiting for him afterwards. And I think uh, you'll see a lot of that now. <laughs> I can't even imagine what those ticket asks are going to be like. But uh, that's that's well worth it for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the problem for him is half the team's from Toronto. So, you know, normally you're asking guys, saying, oh, come on, can we do the tickets? And it's like, yeah, I got my cousin here too. Uh, so a yeah, good problem to have. I'm seeing some quotes from his dad right now just talking about how they can all be together as a family. Uh, you hope that positive, you know, mentality kind of carries over to the ice. You know, there's another guy here uh, in Toronto who you would know pretty well. Uh, the, he, him and Giordano were, were amazing together. I'm talking about TJ Brody, of course. You know, obviously uh, that wasn't who Giordano played with his his last season in Calgary because Brody was here, but you know, what, what are those two together as a pair? You know, we've seen Brody here and he's just been so quiet and confident. You love yeah. what he gives you, but together as a pair, what, what can they be? I think just, there's just a reliability. There's a familiarity. There's a, an understanding of how one another plays and they've done it for a lot of years together. And, you know, I think Brody's such a good skater and so understated and, you know, Mark's a lot got a lot more power to his game, and and I think they just know how to kind of bail each other out when the time calls for it. They just kind of know how to read one another. Uh, Mark has always been very close with with TJ, and you know, TJ's a hard guy to get to know. I'm not, you know, I don't know how many folks in Toronto know him very well. We certainly didn't know a ton about him. I was lucky enough to be around him for a few years and kind of get a sense. He's just a quiet, 
guy, and that's just the way it is. And Gio absolutely loves him. They have a great friendship, so off the ice as well. So it is, it is going to be uh, depending on how it all shakes down there. But uh, you know, if and when they play together, I don't think they'll skip a beat. That's going to be a, a nice pairing if, if that's the case. And if not, that's okay too because I think they can both help out whomever they're playing with. But if they are reunited, I mean, that's that's a tandem that certainly can be very effective. Um, from shutdowns uh, assignments just to, you know, at times uh, even being offensive. But I think, you know, more so just you get a lot of reliability. So, you know, uh, Ryan Leslie chatting with Ryan and you had a, you had a, a front row seat that, that talk about on the ice and like fine wine getting better than age. Cause as you know, the Norris trophy generally goes to a number two overall pick like Victor Hedman or Drew Doughty, or the new kids are Kale McCarr picked in the top five and Quinn Hughes, you know, picked in the top five and you know, all those kind. So Giordano's never drafted and not in his twenties or late twenties when generally is when you win, but in his thirties and just talk about that evolution to that level. Yeah, it it really was something because we, you know, there's not a ton of playoff experience there for Mark. He's, you mentioned not being drafted. He has just made, he's self-made and he and Lauren have had to go over to Russia and I think everybody's probably fairly familiar with the story and the journey and this is such a great new and perhaps one of the final chapters in his career. I guess you never know, but um, for him to elevate his game, I mean, he was always so fit and so committed and, and led that way. Um that it really was, you know, he had some injuries early on. I remember he tore his bicep down in New Jersey. And that was years ago and missed out on some, some playoff opportunities. And, you know, he's just had to overcome so much that it almost was like you're reading a book or, or, or a movie on, on this guy's career. And all of a sudden everything just started to come together. And he just played with such purpose that season and, and for him to get the Norris, and there was some pretty good company down. I remember being we were down in Vegas and and just sitting uh, at the hotel in a restaurant or lobby, and you know, Hedman was there and Gio was there, and everybody was just kind of chatting, and, and you could just see the mutual respect. You mentioned Hedman. You could see the mutual respect that he had for Mark. And later after the ESPYs, I remember Terrell Owens wanted to come up and get his picture with Mark because of uh, – uh, winning the Muhammad Ali uh, Award for all the work that he had, he and Lauren had done in schools, like it was a big deal to get that award. And, and I just think everything kind of came together the right way. He was healthy, he was playing right, the team was doing some things, and he was just so dialed in. And and uh, and I know what that meant to him that award, I, and to him and his family and his teammates and his coaches, his skating coach. I mean, it was it was quite a night. But to get that award at that age. Yeah, it was improbable, but it almost seemed like it made sense because of this guy's journey. Yeah, so often it feels like a coronation that we've been building up to for, for years and years and years. And, you know, I'm sure he felt that way, but but it was almost like, uh, bam, here here he is moment when, when you say that. I, I, I do want to ask you one, one question about the Flames uh, before we let you go. You know, we've talked, a lot of people have talked about the Wild. This is an all-in year for them. They have these cap penalties coming. I feel like the Flames are right there. Not to say this thing's going to fall apart after this year. I don't think that by any means. But, you know, obviously we know about Johnny Hockey. We know about the big qualifying offer coming for, for Kachuk. Just how important is it to make sure you, uh, you that they kind of take advantage of how well things are rolling this year in Calgary? Well, as you guys know, I mean, you'd only get so many cracks at, at potentially going all in. I mean, there are some times where it's a surprise or sometimes you just expect it and you roll and you keep going. But 
this group has some big question marks after this year. And so Brad Living, to his credit, and I might point out, you know, this GM took a lot of heat for some of the moves he brought in with Gabranson and Zadorov and others. These moves have paid off, and it's worked under Daryl Sutter. But the questions still remain about next year. So right now, it is about right now. And the Calgary Flames have not been in a position quite like this where it's let's go all in. And they are built. They are the hottest team in the country. And they are, they've got a goalie. And they've got a top line. And I want to say that, you know, when you watch Flames games, you're seeing some offense. Uh, you're seeing a pretty good defensive structure. Uh, and you're seeing guys, you mentioned those a couple of superstars, but the one guy that should be talked about, especially out east, is Elias Lindholm. And he's really turning a lot of heads across the league as one of the most complete players, should be in that Selkie conversation. And really, you know, night in, night out, just does it the right way. And uh, you're, you're seeing buy-in. Last night was a pretty dominant performance in Vancouver. Very dominant. And uh, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I think the questions will, the answers will have to wait. But right now, I think everybody in this city, anyhow, is enjoying this ride. I'm not sure everybody across the country's kind of clued in yet to exactly what they're doing, but I think it's coming. And for the first time in a long time, it feels as though the potential for a deep run is there. And we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll see the red mile again. Who knows? Uh, Ryan Leslie, thanks so much. And uh, congrats on breaking it. Uh, that's that's a big job uh, by, by you as well. Thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, there he goes. Uh, NHL host on Sportsnet, of course, covering the Flames as well. Ryan Leslie there. Uh, Gord, I want to put a pin in this. Uh, the two big moves, obviously, the biggest one, Giordano and Blackwell coming in from Seattle. Uh, the other one, Travis Dermott going to the Canucks for a third rounder. Uh, your, your final uh, takeaways here as we wrap things up. Yeah, just quick. It's a second round pick this year and in 2023, and the third round pick is in 2024. Look and at you uh, doing my I, job. I, Good job. I mentioned when you look at the the body of work that had to be done. Uh, I think it's uh, it's been uh, a good job by Kyle Dubas, and uh, he checked the boxes on D and gets the uh, gets the utility type player or not the utility the role player in Blackwell. And uh, the key thing will be um, goaltending. Did did it erode so much that it needed to be addressed, or will it right itself? Yeah, we will wait and see. Uh, Leafs busy. Three games this week. The next one is Wednesday. That's at home against the Devils Sunday. They play the Panthers. We'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Gordo, always tons of fun being on with you. Everybody behind the glass, thanks so much for getting us on the air. But most importantly, thank you for listening on Sportsnet 590. The fan.